welcome back to Limbach Unlocked, where the topic today is one that resonates with all those employed and all those employers, employee longevity. Why do people stay? This big idea requires a larger-than-life speaker, someone from our own company who has the authority to speak to the concept of staying for more than 30 years. Today, we hear from our wellness manager, Diane Rogers. Her story is one of inspiration and gives us, as her listeners, an idea of how we can create a similar environment to foster employee satisfaction and retention. I'm Katie Mystery. Let's get started, shall we? Diane, welcome. I'm so happy you're on the show. Oh, thank you. I am so honored to be asked to join this, Kate. I appreciate that. So let's start with a little bit about your current role, and then you have an illustrious history with this company. So I want to hear a little bit about that. Do we have like a whole week to talk? Because we're ready. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, currently I'm I'm handling the the health and welfare benefits. I've actually been doing this for about thirty years now. Um, I'm one of the people who progressed pretty quickly through the company. I think I was in the right place at the right time. Um, I started as a receptionist and, uh, within a year I was promoted to a secretary. So I had shorthand and typing skills, all that good stuff, Mm -hmm. um, to the business manager for a division called Limbaugh National Construction Company. Um, and they handled a lot of jobs across the United States outside of the locations where we had branches. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was an interesting mix of people wow. there. And um, I worked in that department for a couple of years. And then I was promoted to secretary of the treasurer of Limbaugh Company. And while working for him, my friend who worked for Walter Limbaugh was pregnant. And she said to me, hey, I'm going on a maternity leave and don't tell anyone, but I'm not coming back. Would you like an opportunity to work for Walter and maybe take over my job? And I'm like, Okay, sure. Why not? Sure. Yeah. So, um, so it, it worked out. I took over as a temporary for her, and I uh, worked for Walter. And and one thing about Walter, the first day I walked in his office, I said, "Mr. Limbaugh," and he looked at me and he said, "You can Mr. Limbaugh me, and I can Miss Newton you, or we could just be Walter and Diane." And wow. I was just blown away by that, and I was like okay, works for me, you know? So it was always Walter after that. And I started working for him. And then when Mary had her baby and said, hey, I'm not coming back, I actually had to apply for the job. It wasn't just given to me. So I had to apply for it to be interviewed. And I think there were a few other secretaries who wanted the job as well. But uh, fortunately, I was the one who got the job. Yeah. And uh, working for Walter was an education in itself. Um, He was the kind of hands-off person you know your job, you do it, you do it right, and you better know what you're doing to do it right. And um, he didn't hesitate to correct me on anything. And he was not offended if I said, Walter, I don't agree with this in the letter. It should be this way. And he would either say, okay, well then change it. Or he would tell me why he wants it a certain way in a letter. But we had a great working relationship. I, I really admired the man, very intelligent person. And it really, I think, formed my years working for Limbaugh because I've always had a, kind of a, an independent role. You know, I, I, I think I, um, I'm, I'm saying I think I earned the trust of a lot of people who said, saw me working for Walter and knew I would do the job and get it done. 
Um, and I worked for several managers after that. So when Walter retired, I reported to the business manager for a short while, and I reported to Bob Mealy, who was head of engineering. Don't know why I reported to him, but it was like they just kept okay. me around. <laughs> but, They're like, you're too good. We need you everywhere. <laughs> we're going to put you here. We're going to put you over there. Um, but always, for the most part, working with the benefits and um, and the and uh, some of the HR stuff, but more benefits. Uh-huh. So, um, so that's kind of where you landed. To, I think we may have to change that. So. Well, I, so I'm curious, when did you switch to, I guess, full-time benefits? Um, I took over benefits around 1986 or 87, I think, when Walter Limbaugh, I was still working for Walter, yep. and um, the company that owned us then, it was right after we were sold to Anjou International, they decided that he needed to retire in January. He was planning on leaving in June and they decided he needed to leave in January. So I was without a job. So I, my options were to quit or to take over as benefits manager. And it actually was benefits administrator at that point. And uh, this was John Williams. I was reporting to him at that point. And I said, I don't really know anything about benefits. And his response was, you will learn it. Do you <laughs> want the job? I said, yes. And wow. took the off from there. History. Yeah. The rest was history. Yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness. Okay. I have a thousand and one questions, but I think the most important question is how do we say limba, limbach, limbach? Yeah. Oh my There's gosh. so many say. ways of saying it. <laughs> I, I was so thrilled to see that question. Yeah. There are, I've heard it said so many different ways, but the true way to say it is limba. CH is silent. Limbaugh. That's Walter Limbaugh. You you worked with the man, so you are the authority here. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So all uh, all of the company that's listening, no matter where you are, we gotta change the way <laughs> we gotta change the way we say this last name. Cause it is someone's last name. I think we forget that. We think it's just the name of a company, but it's actually a family name. It actually is a family name. Yes. Yes. So what was I mean, you told us a little bit about what Walter was like, but did you get to know any of the other family members? Yes. Um, so when I started with Limbaugh, Emil Limbaugh, who was the son of Frank, mm -hmm. was retired, but he still stopped in the office occasionally and always was very friendly, like, hi, how you doing kind of thing. Uh, Walter was like the, I would say the captain of the ship. Okay. You know, he was very concise, knew what he wanted, which way he wanted the company to go and everything. Scott Limbaugh, which was his, I believe, older brother, um, he was like the one who had all the big ideas, the excitement, let's go do this. I think we should do that. And Walter would be the one that said, would say, uh, let's think about this a little bit longer. I don't think it's a good idea. Let's not go in that direction. So they were a good, a good partnership. They definitely were. Okay. They definitely were. Yeah. Um, we actually had an office over in Germany for a short while too, Limbaugh International Company. Um, Scott Limbaugh was instrumental in doing that. There were, they had a set, uh, just a small location over in Germany for a short while, I think just a few years. And then they closed that down and, and moved the operations back over into, into Pittsburgh here. Um, I don't remember what all was behind that. But one thing I do remember was having to fax something over to the office in Germany now, back in the 70s and 80s, uh -huh. the fax machine looked like a gigantic roller and you had to clip the paper in on one end <laughs> and it probably took a half an hour 
to fax one page. So if you would look up fax machines of the 70s and 80s, you'll see what it looks like. But it was a piece of equipment. Gosh, that sounds like you would need you, you would need a real specific training on just how to do that one part of the job. You use that kind of fax machine. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was interesting. That's one of the things about having worked for this the company this so, so for so long as I did, I have is um, the transition from electric typewriters to computers. You know, yeah. everything was new and wonderful, and we couldn't wait to try it out. You know. Oh my so goodness! Been a lot of the fun. What what else was so different about the company when you started with it versus now? Um, definitely, it was more male oriented. Okay. At that time. Now, when I was hired, the HR person, HR manager was a woman, but we had very few women in any positions of authority. It was a male dominated field um, compared to now. Um, We didn't have like, um, oh, what do I want to say? The the chance for advancements like we do now. You know, it was like, okay, you're doing the job well. You went to school. You might have gotten a degree. Okay, we'll move you up to this position. It wasn't structured like it is now, which I think is fabulous mm-hmm. for the newer employees of Limbaugh is to have a, a learning path and a career development path and everything. Um, I, I often wonder where I would have went if something like that would have been available mm. back when I first started working for the company, as opposed to, okay, you're a receptionist. Your expectation is you'll be a secretary. Yep. And that, and that was the mindset of the, the era too, back in the seventies and eighties, sure. the secretaries and then did the more important jobs of being an engineer and, and project manager and things like that. So it's great to see how the company has developed over the years. I, I just love it. Oh yeah. I mean, I can imagine we, we are all um, products of our time, right? So it makes sense that that kind of thing has shifted and changed because it's such an important thing whenever we're hiring people right now, you know, I mean, you work in HR, we hear about the recruiting stories that people want to know, where can I go? Where can I go with this company? Mm -hmm. How can I grow? Um, But what I find fascinating, Diane, is that you basically, even if it was reactive, you still made your own career path. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's probably why everybody wanted you (laughs) because they were like, Diane's going to get it done and she's going to go places doing it. Yeah. yeah I, I had also had the fortune. Uh, I was very fortunate to work with a lot of wonderful people mm-hmm. who were open to, Hey, or just go try it and see if you can do it. You know? And if not, let's see what we can do to figure it out. Um, I think it's a lot of the way the company is now giving you the opportunity to say, you know, do you want to try this position? Let's go for it. What kind of training do you have? Let's get you started. Yeah. And, and see how it goes. Um, and I was, I think I was very fortunate in that regard back in those days to just be told again with Walter starting off and saying, here, this is your job. You do it. And he was never one to look over my shoulder and say, how are you doing that? Or why are you doing it that way? Yep. And he wasn't shy to tell me when I did something wrong and to say, you needed to do it this way. But the expectation was I would never make that mistake again. Yeah. You know? So I, I think that was pretty instrumental, like I said, in, in giving me that experience to move forward and, and to mm-hmm. try new things and, and take on ownership. And it, and it wasn't easy. I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. When I was given the role of benefits manager, I honestly didn't even know what the company benefits were because I never needed to. I never needed them very much. And um, so I fortunately had someone who was 
who was still working kind of on the HR side of things to say, okay, here's some ideas of what's going on. And then at the same time, I took over my position. There was room for an assistant to work with me and Susie Fritch moved up into that position. Oh she started in table yeah. and she moved up into benefits with me and um, together we, we worked it out and we figured it out, you yeah. know, and learned how to go. And we grew, grew with the company growth at that point with the, with the uh, companies that, not the companies we purchased, but the divisions that we developed, like the link corporation and affiliated building services. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so for our listeners sake, um, Susie is still with the company as well. So yeah, she is. Yeah, you guys are the, now. you're the dynamic duo that's been here uh, yes. <laughs> for a while. Um, so, okay. So you mentioned that we still have some of those same, I guess we could call them values even from, mm-hmm. from back then. What else is the same or are there any other similarities from back when you worked with Walter and where we are today? Um, I will tell you a story and I okay. found this out um, actually at the service they had held for Walter Limbaugh after he had passed away. They had a memorial service for him and um, his son and daughter invited me to attend. I, I don't keep I don't keep in touch with them as much as I'd like to, mm-hmm. um, but they were they were very nice enough to to ask me to attend the ceremony to it, which was wonderful because Sweet. there were a lot of people who had worked for Limbaugh and were retired and they were there too. So it was kind of nice to see a, reunion. a lot of those. It was like yes. a reunion of things, which was wonderful. Um, the family had a, um, were very charitable. There was actually a place called, I believe the Limbaugh Center over on the North side where they were philanthropic and provided to residents, I guess, over in the North side. I didn't get involved with that part of it, but I was aware of it. Um, so they've always been a very- um, It's amazing charity event, uh, company, I want to say, um, wanting to give back to the community and things like that. So I see that now that we care a thing, we care not only about our employees, mm-hmm. but for our um, our, our um, neighbors and our yeah, community. community as well. And it's great to see that still going even stronger now today as it was wow. in the past. How incredible. That's a great legacy and a history to have. I'm going to take a break from learning about the past here because I also want to learn a little bit more about you in the present. So we have a fun game that we like to play here on this show and it's called Would You Rather. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with it? No, I'm not. Okay. So it's real easy. I just give you two choices and I say, would you rather this or that? Um, and you give me your answer and why. Okay. Okay. Would you rather be a superhero or the world's best chef? I'm going to say a superhero. Ooh. Number one, because I'm not a, I don't really like cooking very much. I Good usually answer. my husband, okay. um, but superhero because um, it's, a, it's just part of my nature. I like taking care of people and helping people and doing what I can to make things better for them. So I would definitely want to be a superhero. Wow. <laughs> That's also, I guess we could tie it back to what you just talked about with the we care core value that we have. I mean, that's a, sounds like it's a personal value for you too. Um, it really is. Um, I'm, a, I'm in the middle of six children and my sisters always say I'm a control freak, but I just, I'm always the one who steps in when things are going on yeah. and mediates and then gets things flowing a little smoother sometimes for the most part. 
mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're okay together and all that stuff. Yeah, but yeah. it's just every now and then somebody has to step up, up into a leadership role and say, okay, here's what we're going to yeah. do. But then I'm called a control freak, but they say it with love. Oh, no, I, I get it. Trust me. This being a superhero in the sense of caring for others, like you've put it, I love it. I think that requires some expertise. You know, you have mm-hmm. expertise in conflict mitigation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, but in all seriousness, speaking of, you know, expertise, I know that you've brought in a lot of your you, you've learned over the years, you've developed expertise in a specific area, but mm-hmm. having the longevity with one company, that's also a kind of expertise, I think. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to, I'm not going to speak for you, but I will ask, you know, in your opinion, mm-hmm. what does it take to keep people satisfied with an organization for a long time or just to keep them happy? I mean, that takes some level of knowledge about your people, right? So how right. did that work for you? I think it worked for me because I was, I was given a position that I really enjoy doing. Um, I love talking to people. I love working with people. Um, Again, I like helping people and this kind of pulled it all together for me. I think as long as, as we're getting our employees into the positions or as Charlie would would say, there's right seat at the right time. Mm -hmm. um, That's going to be step one keeping them happy. And then I was given the flexibility and the opportunity to do, do, to do the job um, without a lot of looking over my shoulder. They trusted me to learn the job and to do it well. I think a lot of it is that as well. And again, the career path and the opportunities the company is developing now for, for employees, I think it's fabulous. And I think that's what's really going to keep employees here as well is to know just because you're working on this job today doesn't mean you're going to be here for 45 years. You have a lot of chance to move in different directions. And um, again, when I first started for Limbaugh, that didn't exist. And the expectation was you're going to be a secretary forever. Um, I'm just fortunate that I had coworkers or supervisors who would give me that opportunity to move in a little bit of a different path yeah. and, and be where I'm at today. Yeah, I think it's a really excellent answer. I am curious too. I think what we've seen in recent years is a swing to the opposite direction where um, sometimes we feel as though we should be moving around and being promoted very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas what you're sharing is, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, um, it was very much you stay in the same job for for forever right mm-hmm. so we've I almost feel like sometimes we've just swung to the opposite end of the of the spectrum there yeah um what would be your advice especially to maybe the younger generation mm-hmm. on how to be content with where you are but to can you continue learning I mean it sounds like you really you raised your hand and you said I want to learn this I want to do these things is that yeah. something you'd suggest to other people yeah um I think it, it's based on different personalities like okay I'm one who could be content doing the same thing over and over again. That doesn't bother me in the least. And that that's like a, a comfort thing to me. I know that job. I can keep working at it. I can do it well. Yeah. I, um, in all honesty, when the computers first came on board and, and new programs came on board and then I can't tell you how many arguments I had with coworkers about why I am not using that program. And they're like, <laughs> you have to learn it. And I'm like, leave me alone. I like what I'm working on. So I've had my stubborn moments where mm-hmm. I didn't like what they were bringing on board and, and I didn't like being forced into it. Um, and I figured it out on my own and, and 
move forward. And, and yeah. again, love the technology we have today. It's fabulous. Um, but I think a lot of it is being contented with what you're doing. I think the younger generation today, not to age myself or anything, no, no, but I think the younger generation today, there are 500 jobs available to anybody that we didn't have at my time when I first started working. There are so many opportunities. They all look exciting. They all look like that's what I want to do. And until you get into it and start doing it, it that's when you figure out, oh, maybe that's not exactly what I wanted to do. Um, my youngest daughter started going to school to be a um, kindergarten teacher. And she thought that's what she, she loves kids and that's always what she wanted to do. And halfway through, she was like, no, I don't want to be a teacher. And she decided to go over to the medical field. And I'm like, are you really sure? And she's like, yeah, mm -hmm. I think that's what I want. And she ended up being a medical assistant and she loves the job. Yeah. So she, you know, you, sometimes you do have to get halfway into it before you realize that's not for me. And you have to be willing then to be patient and work at the next opportunity and get to know it before you decide you don't like it. That's but um, yeah, I think there's a lot more exciting things out there. If, if I was a younger person today, I would have a hard time picking a job as yeah. to what I wanted to do because there was so much out there to do. True, but there is something to be said for, um, like you said, being content and being patient. And I think that that's, that's where we're inevitably going to swing back the other way at some point, right? So it's mm -hmm. finding that sweet spot um, that you've described, going for it, and then also mm -hmm. being patient, working hard in where you are. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a lesson all of us can learn, no matter where we are in our careers. <laughs> there's there's ebbs and flows. Um, there is. And there's days when you really don't like the job, you know, and you're yeah. like, oh, you know, maybe it's time to move on or maybe this isn't for me because you have a bad day and all of a sudden you start questioning yourself, but you just plug through it. And sometimes it works back the way you want it to, you know, we all have our days of ups and downs, you know, that we're like, why am I doing this job? You know, no one appreciates what we're doing here, you know, or whatever, any career can be that way. And then the next day something happens that brings that positive vibe back. And it's like, okay, I do really want to stay here and I, I'm going to keep going with it. Yeah. And then we do that always in our daily lives with all kinds of situations. So Oh yeah. I mean, I, I know for me that my team is a big reason that I love my job. Mm -hmm. Working in the people and culture department is one of my favorite things about what I do. Mm -hmm. um, you, you've now, you've been with a lot of teams over yeah. your tenure here. Um, was there one specific moment in time where you're like this, this team just gelled, we got so much done and it was just success in all areas. Well, if, I hate to say this, but really, I didn't have a team. I mean, Susie and I worked together. So mm -hmm. we were a team of two for many years. And we worked very well together. We yes. gelled well together. But it was as the company grew and there were more people around us to work and hash things out. Mm -hmm. That's when it's really gotten to be like, hey, I am really loving this. You know, it's nice having yeah. people behind you and at your side saying, yeah, we could do it this way or flashing ideas back and forth when you're like stuck and like, what's going to be the best way to handle something. And you've got team members who are like, Hey, what about this? What about this? What about that? Um, so really the, the current situation now with HR and the growth we've had and all the people we're working with, I think it's been phenomenal. And I just love it. So fun. Yep. Now we've talked about, you know, personal success and your, the past and your history and how you made it to where you are, but is there something you wish for this company or you hope that this company works towards as we move forward? Mm -hmm. You know what? Um, 
having gone through numerous ups and downs with the company over the last 45 years, um, I'm excited to see the growth now, the fact that it's a publicly traded company. I think Walter and Scott Limbaugh would be proud of how the company has moved forward and going into different directions. Um, and I'm hoping it continues to grow and move forward like that. I mean, that's a heck of a legacy. Yeah. Frank Limbaugh started in a garage and, and building roofs, you know, and repairing roofs. And that's where the company started to see where it's at now is, is wonderful. And I keep, I'm hoping it keeps going on that trajectory. I think it's fabulous. That's, that's great to hear. And it's just neat to picture what it was like then and how you, like you said, that legacy is being lived out. I'm glad, I'm glad that you think we would make them proud. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess my last question is just, do you have a favorite memory of your time working with the Limbaugh's? And if so, could you share it with us? Okay. Well, my um, favorite memory is is centered around Walter. I was his secretary for a number yeah. of years. And an interesting about thing about him is he, he wasn't the type of person that would give me a Christmas gift or a birthday mm -hmm. gift or something because it was secretary's day. I He's mean- right? never acknowledged any of that. But when him and his wife would travel or there was times when he would travel internationally and come back and he'd have a gift and I'd be, it would blow me away because really Walter and I didn't chit chat day in and day out. Uh -huh. He was a very quiet person and we really did not have conversations day in and day out like I do with everyone now. So when he would come out and stand at my desk and say, how's the family? I would be tongue-tied and stutter. Like, um, um, <laughs> oh, everyone's man. doing fine. Thank you. But the favorite memory of Walter is when I was his secretary, he would dictate his letters on a little tape. And every morning I would have to get these plastic folders with the tape and whatever paperwork applied to it and type it. But I also had to pen sharpen his number two pencils every morning. <laughs> so the first job, get up the tapes, pick up all his pencils, sharpen them all, put them back on his desk. So one morning I must've been running late. I grabbed the tapes and everything and I'm at my desk starting to work. Walter comes walking in. Good morning, Diane. Morning, Walter. And then he comes right back out and he's standing in front of my desk holding his pencils. And I said, yes, Walter. He said, you know, it's going to be a very dull day here in the office. And he laid all the pencils on my desk. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I never forgot to sharpen his pencils after that. Oh my goodness. So that's what we would call a dad joke. Yes, I think so. <laughs> and when he retired, when he retired from the company, my gift to him was an electric pencil sharpener and two dozen pencils. I love that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And his son told me that he was still using that pencil sharpener at his home up until the day he died. He still had it on his desk and used it. Okay, Diane, there's your legacy. There's my legacy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is incredible. And I can see why that's your favorite, your favorite memory. I would, oh my gosh, that'll always put a smile on your face <laughs> to think of Definitely. that. Well, this has not been a dull conversation, so I am very, very glad that we had the time to chat a little bit more about the company's history, about your history, and I think we all have learned a little bit more about why why this company is the way it is, so thank you for giving us that. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you.
So we've learned how to say the company's name correctly, to keep the pencil sharpened, and how the legacy of our founders lives on in our values and our current commitments. The past can really inform the present, huh? Well, we'll catch you next time on Limbach Unlocked.